This is the Grind, Sell, and Elevate podcast by Tizer Evans, where we do a deep dive on how to stay driven, how to be a top-tier salesperson, and how to elevate the quality of your life. Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining me on Grind, Sell, and Elevate this week. This is Ty. I have Naraj Kapar come back for his second appearance on Grind, Sell, and Elevate. So we do a deep dive this time on LinkedIn and sales. Super excited to have Naraj back on as the first guest ever to be on as their second appearance on Grind, Sell, Elevate. And if you guys haven't done so, please subscribe to the podcast. Drop me a five-star review. Makes it easier for other people to be able to find the podcast. But without further ado, here's my conversation with Naraj. everybody thanks for joining me on grind sell and elevate this is ty and i've got a special treat for everybody the first time anybody's ever come back for a second time on grind sell and elevate naraj you're the first so welcome back i am so honored thank you so much yeah absolutely so i'm excited to have um naraj on if everybody if you're not familiar you didn't listen to our first interview i would encourage you to go back uh, and listen to it because today we're going to be talking about something a little bit different um, but Naraj is the founder of Everybody Works in Sales. He's an author. Uh, really, I would say a sales influencer is how I, uh, I view you, Naraj. But why don't you introduce yourself again to people who didn't listen to our first interview? Yeah, certainly. Um, hi, everybody. I'm Naraj. I'm a trusted sales coach and a LinkedIn influencer and the author of two Amazon best-selling books, Everybody Works in Sales and The Easy Guide to Sales for Business Owners. And when people contact me, it's because they want to make more sales and close more deals. Although when I spend time with them, 99% of people, they can't open deals and they don't know what to do in the middle of the sales process. People are always often just stuck in the pipeline and they don't know what to do. And that's really what I do is I help you engage at the beginning and I help you in the middle section because that's where most people struggle. Closing deals isn't that bad. But you know what? It's what I love doing. But more importantly, it's what I get purpose doing. And it's what my clients get results from. So I'm very honored and very, very grateful to be doing what I do. Yeah, and you're great at it. Um, and that's interesting you have that because I think that that's a key component that not a lot of people talk about. That if you can nail the beginning and the middle part of the sales process, I mean, if you've done your job, the close should happen. The close should be natural. It should be organic. I mean, don't get me wrong. Every now and again, you're going to have clients that deliberately push you that bit harder either because they want a discount or the boss has demanded a discount. Or sometimes clients will just try and push you hard to see how you react. I mean, look, when I buy from people, I deliberately don't make it easy at the very end. I'm quite easy to deal with until that point. But at the very end, I'll often deliberately ask for a discount. Deliberately, because I want to know how they're going to react. Because mm. if they got all flustered and their voice speeds up and it raises an octave higher, you know, I'm like, do I really want to work with this person for the next year? Because the answer often is no, I don't want to do that. So you have to, you know, I'll often just deliberately put objections into a conversation at the end because I want to know how you're going to react to it. That makes a lot of sense. That's interesting doing that from a customer perspective. But yeah, I don't think that salespeople often realize that when there is a little bit of that confrontation or friction, that if you're really trying to serve and build a relationship, well, all that work you just did in the beginning, you just threw it out the door. <laughs> there is, there's a bite. Whenever you have a sales conversation with a client, what I see a lot of people doing is rushing through the conversation, 
getting to price and then they get stuck on price. The client says, yeah, send me a proposal. And then you spend weeks, sometimes months, chasing the client, chasing the proposal, quite often hearing nothing. And the client's saying, I'll come back to you. Yeah, yeah, I'll come back to you if you're interested. Because you rush through the process, what you've got to do is really take your time, do the research on the client first, share things you've read on their website or blogs or articles so they know you've done your homework, which most people don't do. Make sure you ask the right questions to get good answers from them. And then make sure they know you have listened because you've recapped properly and said, okay, so what I understand this and this and this are the challenges. Is that correct? Fantastic. Is there anything else I might have missed at all? And so it's just, it should be a natural conversation where all you're trying to do is help somebody as much as you possibly can. Because once you do that, the rest of the sales process, it's not easy, but it's so much easier. Totally agree. That's well said. Uh, so I want to, you know, we talked a lot about off channel about talking about LinkedIn because it's been a huge focus. You know, I would say two years ago, it was one of those things that people used, uh, but I feel like in the last 24 months, it's really exploded. Um, I, I just, you know, I get pretty inundated. I don't know if it's because of the podcast or my job, but I feel like every morning I open up my box and, you know, before I would be random once or twice a month, I would get hit on LinkedIn. Now it's like four or five times a day. I'm, I can't even imagine what your inbox is like. Um, it's over a hundred messages a day during peak times. My first post went viral. I was getting 200 messages a day for three days. And I actually found it overwhelming. Oh, yeah. And I'm thinking, how, do, how, do, how, do, how does everybody else cope when they go through this? And my second post, which got almost a quarter of a million views now, I mean, that was just insane. That was almost 800 messages in a week, plus <laughs> all my usual messages. And it was just hard to keep up with it. And you're losing, it's one of these things, everybody wants to go viral, but nobody tells you how to prepare for when it actually happens. It's like, oh my God, this is exhausting. And I'm just staring at the computer because I'm, I'm very good at taking breaks for the day because I believe you have to pace yourself. But sometimes I'm like, oh my God, it's like half a left at night. What am I, you know? And you're still replying to people. And uh, it's a very interesting thing when it happens to you because you always want it to happen. And then when it happens, it's like, really? Is this what it's like? <laughs> I'm actually working harder than ever now. <laughs> so a lot of things you don't expect, but it was still a great experience. I'm still very glad it happened to me. Absolutely. And so, um, so everybody doesn't know, we were just talking right before we, we started recording about Naraj's experience. When we first started talking, he had started to really, um, I had seen make a, a lot more of a presence on LinkedIn. And uh, what have we talked, I don't know, was that maybe November, December? So it's been about eight, nine months since that first interview. And since then, I feel like uh, not only you've doubled down and been consistent every single day, you post every day. Um, but the, the engagement, uh, you can just talk to us about the numbers. Why don't you talk to us a little bit about your trajectory and success and where you've seen uh, the most advantageous ways to post or content that people are reacting with? Yeah, certainly. In terms of it depends what you want. So if you want to get followers very quickly, I find the fastest way of doing that is by writing personal stories. Yeah. And by personal stories, I'm talking about challenges that you've endured uh, traumas you've had to overcome, situations you've been in, and talking about either how you've overcome it or how you've dealt with it. People relate to that. So the first viral post I had was very painful to write. It took me almost two hours to write it because I couldn't get the tone right. And after an hour, I had to stop and I just deleted it. <laughs> and I came back to it four days later and I'm so glad I did with a clear head. And what had happened was um, somebody saw me in the McDonald's car park on a Saturday night 
eating by myself in a car. It wasn't a nice place to be. I was just feeling very lonely. I had deleted all the online dating apps because dating in Northern Ireland is a very small community compared to England, where I lived for 30 years. In England, you get a chance to meet people from different cultures, different religions. It's very exciting. In Northern Ireland, you don't get that. It's a much smaller community. People don't think in that level. And sadly, a lot of these websites, I'm the only guy with a colored face I can see anywhere. So that does unfortunately make it more challenging. And I was just feeling a bit frustrated because it's not nice being rejected in life. In business, you expect it, <laughs> but not in life. <laughs> yeah. um, and it's just lonely. I'm approaching 50 years old and I've been single for three years. And it's like, is this what the rest of my life is like? There's just that fear that goes through your mind. Even though I'm a very positive person, but a very positive mind mindset that fear just hit me really hard and I was in McDonald's because my parents vegetarian and sometimes you just got to eat normal food I'm sorry <laughs> but you know I can't eat vegetarian for seven days a week it drives me mad so I was in the McDonald's car park on a Saturday night just really feeling sorry for my I'm just thinking god is this my life and the next day a friend a childhood friend said I was just uh, shopping and she goes oh I saw you in McDonald's car park you look really miserable and I said oh how come you didn't come and see me oh I had to go back to the kids and stuff like that I said okay your kids are growing up, aren't they? She goes, yeah, they're growing up, but I had to get back home. I said, okay. And she goes, it must be very difficult for you, you know, being so lonely and living with your parents at your age and the divorce. It must have really killed you. And I said, it did. She goes, yeah, it must be horrible. Everybody's been talking about how difficult it is. And I said, Namita, I, I was at your wedding, wasn't I? She goes, yeah. I said, I've known you for 30 years. You must have my number. She goes, I think you do. And I checked my phone. I said, is this your number? And she goes, yeah. I said, okay. Can I ask why you didn't call me? And there was just a really awkward, uncomfortable pause. And she goes, I have to go. I've got things to do at home. I said, no, no, just take good care of yourself. And that was it. And I wrote that post saying, look, when you see people struggling, when you see people in real pain, don't gossip about them and please don't ignore them. You know, everybody wants to have their voice heard. Everybody is struggling with something. And sometimes a kind word or a hug or in today's COVID word, an elbow to an elbow, whatever it is, just listening to somebody makes all the difference in the world to that other person. And that's, that was my post. It was very difficult to write because I wanted to get the tone right. I didn't want to come across as angry. And it was, it was difficult, but the reaction was unreal. Mm. And it's, it's, the moment it's on, it still gets a reaction. It's probably in 130,000 views and about and close to 2,000 likes and about 300 comments and people just really connected with it, especially men in the private messaging saying, mm. when I went through a divorce, nobody understood me, or I suffer from depression, but I can't tell people. And all of a sudden people are reaching out to you on such a different level, you can't even begin to imagine. And I had so many Zoom calls then booked a week later, I had about 35, 40 Zoom calls with complete strangers saying, I'm just here to listen. And I'll have to share what I did to help me get through my mental health and depression. I got divorced. And that was a, a really powerful thing to be able to do and an amazing way to be able to help people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, thank you for sharing that. I, I think that that's something that can be missing. I see more in younger sales reps is authenticity. They feel like they have to portray themselves in a certain way, especially if they're younger, because they want to project this older, mature, so people take them seriously. And uh, so it's almost like people try to create alter egos when they go into sales, which I think can be helpful a little bit. I get a little bit of a chip on my shoulder uh, when I go to make calls, right? And to be able to help deal with the rejection, but I'm always me. And so I think that that's awesome that you've taken that same approach on LinkedIn just to be your authentic self 
and it translates. It does make a big difference. And let's be realistic. I'm a sales coach. LinkedIn does not need more coaches. <laughs> it just doesn't. There's too many. Anyways, everybody in lockdown became a coach or an expert. In fact, it became so bad, Pfizer, I removed the name expert from my job title because I was seeing experts everywhere who weren't experts. Um, <laughs> you know, and, you know, I, I think this is the importance of personal development, which you and I are both into. And I always tell people it's so important to read every day for at least 30 minutes or listen to a podcast as well for half an hour or listen to an audible or watch a video, but just be improving yourself every single day because you'll be amazed what you learn. And one of the things I learned in lockdown, probably the best thing was a quote from Sam Walton. When the whole world is going this way, make sure you go in the opposite direction to find your niche. And that's what I did. I looked at what my competition were doing. They were sharing Gary Vaynerchuk quotes and Gart Cardone quotes. I was sharing my own content. Uh, they were, you know, liking and post, but not being really active on LinkedIn. I was consistent on LinkedIn. They were all doing free webinars and bragging about how many people turned up. I did paid for webinars and talk about what clients I, I want. Because to me, I'd rather have eight people on a webinar, which is what I have in my first webinar. Uh, my second one had 16 people. My third one had 30. So my third one had 30 people. I charged $47. And that's how I got my first client in lockdown by doing paid for webinars. And I was criticized very heavily by a lot of people for doing that, for being greedy. And I said, look, I've lost my business in 48 hours. All my face-to-face -face work has disappeared. I have zero income. I have a child in the final year at university. This isn't greed. This is just business. And I was surprised how many people found it offensive that I charged for, you know, but I'm giving value. And the fact is the proof of the pudding, of course, is when people pay for something, they value it. Yeah. And I found that $47 is my cutoff point to start getting coaching interest inquiries. And $97 was the ideal price point in terms of winning bigger customers. So it was good to test all these things last year and see what worked and see what didn't work as well. Yeah, I'm always interested. I do think that, you know, sure, if the for engagement webinars can be great, but if you're doing them consistently, and you're not charging money. I just don't think that you're really respecting yourself. Um, you, you, I, I think you know that my wife has her own business and um, was really, well, this is her, her third one, but it was really interesting. Um, sorry, I've got my pit bull. I'll have to edit this. He's over here going to town on a bone. Um, so, so, so my wife, she had a, uh, she has interior design firm and before she had a staging business, everybody offers free consultations in that mm -hmm. industry. It's like, what you do meet with me, I'll walk through your house. And, um, my wife was like, you know, she at her first business, she was 24. She was like, no, she's like, I'm not fucking going to drive a half hour, pay for a babysitter, <laughs> you know, and then give them an hour of my time, share my ideas, my knowledge, drive a half hour back home. And no, absolutely not. So she was charging 250 just to meet with her. And that's a really good idea. And, you know, and she was just like, and she's like, but I felt like you're committed to me. I will provide you value then. But then she's like, I almost always closed the deal because they were already committed. They'd already had a financial investment in me. Anyway, so I like I like that approach. I think you should charge. And I think that people give away too much value too often. They do. And it's actually an interesting thing your wife does, a very smart thing she does. In my industry, most coaches do one hour free coaching, which I've stopped doing because people just don't value it. They take it and they just leave. And then they go ask another coach for one hour free coaching. Because again, people don't realize coaches talk to each other. <laughs> and often say, I had this experience. I go, Hang on a second. That wasn't so-and-so. Yes, it was. Oh, the same thing with me. You know, people talk to each other. So what I do now is if you want to have a, a consultation with me, 
I send you a Word document and it has six questions. You know, what is it you want to achieve? Why do you want to achieve it? Why hasn't it been achieved yet? What do you want to get out of the coaching session? You know, what deadlines are you working to? And you have to fill those in. I get 10 coaching inquiries a month and I used to waste 10 hours meeting these people on Zoom. And I know, okay, I'd win one and the rest would be a complete waste of time or they simply couldn't afford my coaching services because I, I price myself at the top end of the market because I want to have great clients who want to invest themselves. I don't want clients who want discounts. But now I make them fill in this Word document. And of the 10 people a month, two people fill in the Word document. And they're the ones I meet. And one out of those two becomes clients. So it's, that saved me so much time. I'm shocked the number of people who are so lazy. They will not fill in a document with a few questions, just asking them, about what they want to achieve. All they want is the free coaching. And that's how I get rid of people now who I know are a waste of time. And that's how I find people who are very good. But I love what your wife does as well. That's, that's a good move. Yeah, I just thought it was it was bold. And she was like, I just don't care. You know, and I think that that's, that's okay. Sometimes in business, you, you can be the contrarian, right? You don't always have to uh, just go along to get along. Um, you can do different things within your own vertical. Um, I did want to talk to you about... <clears throat> Now, it's great because I feel like you have a good inbound flow uh, right now with what you've been able to build, um, especially on LinkedIn over the last year. But I'm sure it wasn't always that way. And I know that you've done proactively outreach. And I'm, I know that you coach uh, your clients on how to proactively outreach. So I'm, I'm interested to get your take on when you're doing prospecting. I've got a couple questions with this. But is it ideal to start with a video or a voice message or to just use text at first? Do you have any way that you systematically uh, get engagement better to begin with? Whenever I prospect with somebody, what I'll always do is at least like and comment on their post twice on LinkedIn first. I will then send a personalized invite to them, not a generic one, never send a generic invite on LinkedIn, by the way. It's not memorable. And one of the things I've learned in the last year is from a guy called David Breyer, who's a brilliant personal branding expert. He says the most important thing isn't to be the best, it's to stand out. When I heard that, I went, whoa, that's really good. I mean, of course, I'm always aiming to be the best, but standing out is more important. And I think that's really, it's a really good thing to do. And when you send a personalized invite and you've already liked and commented on somebody's post twice, you do stand out for the majority of people. And then after they accept my invite, I never sell ever. I never try to book a meeting because again, that's what everybody else tries to do. Here's my Calendly link. Let's book a meeting. So I like and comment on their post at least once more. Now, once I've done that, I'll wait for 24 to 48 hours and then I will shoot a video. Sometimes I might do a voice note, but I'll shoot a video saying, um, Tizer, I liked and comment on your post because I really like the value you gave in this comment. I really like what you had to say. I have some valuable resources I like to share in sales, but I can't sell you anything because I have no idea what you want. In fact, we may not even be the right fit. Mm. However, if you can tell me two challenges you're going through, I'll be more than happy to share some content. Best wishes, Niraj. And for me, that's a very effective way of doing things. And the way I word it, I mean, it's taken me, God, 30, 40, 50 attempts to get this right, but the language is very deliberate. And I've no doubt that reading Mark Hunter's books and Jeb Blunt's books have really helped, you know, helped me massively as well. Because Jeb Blunt in his book, Virtual Selling, says, you know, shoot a video when you're prospecting. And it makes such a difference because your energy comes across, your enthusiasm, your tone, your personality comes across in ways 
it just doesn't come across on text. And that's why I encourage people to do it. It's different, it stands out, it's energetic. And the language I use, we may not even be, you know, I can't sell to you. I don't know what you want. In fact, we may not even be the right fit. You say that to somebody, all of a sudden their defenses come down a fair bit. Yeah. And that's how I like to prospect. And I still have to do outbound. I don't do as much outbound as I used to, thankfully, because I don't have to anymore. At the same time, I still have to chase clients because clients still go quiet on me like they're doing everybody else. Uh, not as much again as they used to, but it still happens. So I still have to keep prospecting these clients and chasing these clients up in a creative and smart manner. Yeah, thank you. All that is a great insight. And I, and I was immediately what I noticed is like, oh, I'm completely being disarmed as he's talking right now that like, okay, maybe now I can talk to this person. So I'm not going to try to be sold. I don't even know. He doesn't even know if it's the right fit. So how do I know if it's the right fit? So we should maybe have the call to see if it is right. So yeah, so it's uh, absolutely brilliant. Um, I told you I've been bombarded on a daily basis uh, with these things. And, and a lot of it's because now uh, my title, I, so I get hit with a lot of different apps and stuff like that, but I've noticed more and more, that people are coming to me saying, hey, we've got this great algorithm for LinkedIn. It's gonna automatically um, follow up for you. It's gonna engage your prospects. I get hit with this stuff all the time. I have no interest because of the the personalized stuff we're talking about, but maybe I could be wrong. There might be effective tools out there. So I wanna get your perspective on that kind of bot type uh, sequencing on LinkedIn. um, If you've had any experience or just kind of your opinion on it. Uh, well, there's two things I know. First of all, LinkedIn doesn't uh, take kindly to automated software okay. like that. And it has uh, suspended quite a few people from using it. So That's I would good. say, firstly, exercise great caution. Because I'm a LinkedIn trainer and almost 55% of my revenue is LinkedIn training, I'm never going to put that at risk ever. Sure. So therefore, I don't use it. And I encourage people not to. Uh, when people send me automated software requests it's got to the point now i can tell it's like if i can tell people are part of engagement pods which you should never be in but you can tell and i I always respond to the personalized approach always and if somebody goes hey near ads you're thought using linkedin marketing um or low-cost linkedin ads to boost your business if so we should chat i'm like that's so boring if you said to me near ads i've just purchased your book everybody works in sales i love what you said in chapter seven and you're the kind of person I really want to speak to. Even if I don't want your software, I'll still talk to you for 10 or 15 minutes and listen to what you have to say because you've earned my right, you've earned my trust, but nobody does that. You know, I was uh, speaking to CEO of a big company, I'm not going to mention. (laughs) And I said to her, I've not had seven different members of staff contact me from your company in two months. Seven different members of staff. Not one of them has followed up, by the way. And every single person sent me an automated request. Not one of them has looked at my profile. Because if you looked at my profile, you would have seen what I would do. And you wouldn't have tried to sell to me. Mm -hmm. Your company really need more than ever sales training. You're a brilliant company. I've got so much respect for you. I get so much respect for how you've grown. But there's clearly a gap in the market here that's been missed. You're losing out in revenue if you don't hire me. That was a video I sent to her. And that's why we're now speaking. She hasn't said yes yet. But it was something I had to say because it was automated and automated lacks the personal touch. And if you want me to do any business with you, you have to be personal with me. Otherwise, I will never buy from you. And that's a very simple rule I have with everybody. 
No, it makes it makes total sense. And thank you for sharing that because I did not know that. I've no, I've no, I've, ex, I've I've experienced it. Um, what from other people, influencers I know on LinkedIn, on LinkedIn, Instagram, same thing. They'll just they'll just lock you up, turn off your account. How is the, uh, well, actually I wanted, you mentioned something, engagement pods, maybe touch on that for a minute, uh, because I've heard that too. Uh, I follow Kylie Francis and we've chatted a few times because we were both at 10X one year. And I know she's a big advocate against, do not use engagement pods either. Engagement pods is when you all belong to a LinkedIn chat group together. And what happens is in the chat group, I would say, hey everybody, I've just posted my LinkedIn post. Please reply to ASAP. So the LinkedIn algorithm will think I'm getting lots of likes and comments. So I get why people do it because publicly it looks like you got loads of people commenting on your posts. The problem is it's not real, but also you have to like and comment on other people's crappy posts. <laughs> and that's why, because I was part of a pod last year. I didn't know you shouldn't be in one. And I was part of one for six months. I didn't enjoy it. And I said, look, every day I got to comment on other people's posts that I don't like. It doesn't feel real. And so I end up leaving the group. And then a month after I did that, Daniel Disney did a post saying, do not belong to LinkedIn pod, they're really bad. So I'm glad I left, but it's just not real and it's not organic. And now you can always tell LinkedIn pod because everybody will be the exact same people every single day. The number of comments they get are almost identical every single day. And the comments are always, you're amazing. You're the best. Oh, I would buy from you. Oh, I would definitely buy your product. And if you see that in somebody's post, you know it's not authentic and you know they belong to a LinkedIn engagement pod. So please avoid them. It's much, much better to get loads of comments organically because you give content that really helps people so much in their job. Focus on that. Focus on helping other people. And please do not belong to a LinkedIn engagement pod. Also, LinkedIn doesn't like it. And again, they can suspend you for a few days. Mm, good. I, I didn't know that. So that's really, really good. Um, let's talk real quick uh, about the book um, over your left shoulder. The Ultimate LinkedIn Sales Guide. How is that book? Oh, Daniel's book. That's fantastic. Book. Absolutely fantastic book. Um, I've bought about eight copies since it came out. I just give it to my clients as gifts. Uh, I got Daniel to sign, I think, three of them, but a few were in America. So I just put, he sent them to me and I, I sent them off to my clients in America because it's just a terrific book. I was very honored and very grateful that after his first book became a number one bestseller, he sent me an advanced copy last Christmas. And I spent a day going through it, making notes and giving him feedback. And he's put a few of my ideas into it, which I'm very grateful for. And he thanks me at the beginning and he thanks me in the middle as well, which is so sweet of him. But it's just a really valuable book on LinkedIn. It, so easy to understand that, that's the thing for me a lot of books focus on science a lot of books just give case studies when i, I read a book i want two things a i want to read it easily mm -hmm. and b i want to get at least one or two takeaways from it. obviously i'd like to have more but even though i just learn one or two things it, it's definitely a good 20 dollars investment and you know you've got to be able to invest at least 20 dollars a month in books otherwise you have to ask yourself if you don't invest in yourself why is anybody going to invest in you? And that's a very important question I ask people. And a lot of the time, they can't give me an answer. <laughs> they go, uh, you know, they just don't have an answer. And some of them are smart and they start investing themselves immediately with books or conferences or online courses, whatever. But a lot of them do nothing. And I see them in six months' time and they're in the same job, sending out the same terrible emails. They haven't changed. Most people, Tizer, sadly, would rather keep doing stuff badly than trying something new that will help them become better. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And um, 
you know, I, I've taken that to, to heart. Obviously, you talked about we're both big into personal development and just a personal story. So, you know, I, uh, the sales team I managed last year, uh, one guy totally bought into kind of my just how I live my life. And so he kind of started following that same trajectory. Another guy sits right across from him. They're the exact same age, <clears throat> a little different skill set, obviously, uh, but did not. The guy still plays video games. You know, um, and the difference is it's interesting. Get one guy plays video games, no personal development, parties on the weekends. The other guy, they're both 26, all in personal development, you know, <clears throat> reading books, multiple, never done that in his whole life. <clears throat> one guy just called me. He had a $30,000 paycheck last month. The other guy just got put on a, a, a PIP. Oh, dear. You know, but it's because of the investment. It, you can just, you could clearly see that they had the same starting point, the kind of the same mentality. One bought in, one didn't, one put in the money, and then now he's reaping the rewards. And uh, the cool part is he had that $30,000 paycheck and just had a little girl a week ago. Oh, wonderful. And, you know, so you feel so much better about being 26 and having two kids and being married, you know, young family. It's kind of rare these days. And um, he's making a ton of money. You know, and the other guys playing. I was twenty six, thirty thousand was my paycheck for the year. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So no, I just think that it's such great advice. You know, uh, I think that whatever you can put in yourself, even if it's only twenty bucks a month for a book, it, it's absolutely worth it, um, long term. Now, one of the things I wanted to ask you, Naraj, how, how do you start to take people off LinkedIn and engage with them? So it's it's not always hitting them how do you transition that that conversation offline you got to do it very slowly um because again a lot of things i do i do learn from my mistakes a lot of it i learn from other people a lot of it i learn from books but i remember at the beginning i was trying to get people's email addresses very quickly and all of a sudden they weren't getting back to me and i thought why is that and it was quite interesting when people started selling to me and asking for my email address i understood why because when you give somebody your email address, not only do they email you, but they, they put you in their newsletters half the time and they just keep emailing you again and again and again. And so people are naturally, they trust LinkedIn and they are happy talking on LinkedIn, but they don't want to give out their email addresses or their phone numbers too quickly in case you turn out to be a bad salesperson or even worse, jackass, which some people are. And you don't want to be that person. So what I do is I make sure I have at least one or two conversations with them on LinkedIn first. And then what I'll often recommend is saying, look, this is great. We're having a great time talking here. It's always so much nicer, you know, talking to somebody face to face. At the same time, I'm not going to get in a plane and meet you for half an hour meeting. <laughs> so why don't we talk on Zoom? Um, because you're busy and I'm busy, we'll just do half an hour at the most. We'll probably take only 20 minutes. And, and that's that's a very different way of doing it. So many people, when they meet me for the first time, send me a one-hour Zoom invite. And I have to reply saying, I'm not going to meet you for an hour. Okay, let's do half an hour. We'll try and do it in 20 minutes if we can. Uh, please research me. I'm not going to answer any questions about my job unless you're digging deep about coaching. You, so many people meet me and go, well, so what are you doing here, Raj? I'm like, seriously, look at my LinkedIn profile. In, you know, Before our meeting, I've spent time on your website. I've spent time on your LinkedIn profile. I expect you to show me or anybody else the same professional courtesy. When you ask questions like, what do you do for a living? You come across so badly and like such an amateur, please don't do it. But if you research somebody and ask them good questions, you come across as a real pro, you know, and you come across the kind of person that I'm more interested in talking to and doing business with. And don't get me wrong, now and again, I'll meet people and they're not for me, but I still recommend them to other people. 
I think benefit them, if I think they're either a nice person or a helpful person. Um, and, and that's very important. People don't understand that. They think they must get the deal. No, you don't. Sometimes the business, you get my biggest client in Europe right now is based in Spain. I didn't win that client. A friend who I know very well, if my coaching wasn't for them, they recommended me to this client in Spain, who's now my biggest client. Because oh, wow. somebody recommended me because they liked me, they knew I had integrity, and I was a good person. There you go. Not, 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 by the way, I'm the number one salesperson in the world. <laughs> not because I've won several awards, not because I'm a New York Times bestseller, because I'm a really nice guy, because I'm trustworthy, and I will do right by people. That's a big deal. And not enough people really think about that sometimes when it comes to sales. Totally agree. Totally agree. I had a, a, a prospecting call last week and the guy uh, told me, he goes, Hey man, he's like, I don't buy products. I buy, I buy people, you know? And, and that, it was, it was just, it was rare to hear that. This is someone's tell me I'm going to be buying you. So we got to work on building a relationship. And I was like, well, that's why I'm calling. So great. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, wonderful. Um, a uh, couple more questions for you. I appreciate your time, Naraj. Uh, there are there any common mistakes you see when you start working with somebody uh, with regards to LinkedIn? I know we've probably touched on them, but anything that you just say, hey, definitely don't do this. It's something I see a lot of people doing when I start working with them. It's absolutely vital you be consistent. A lot of people will do a post non again. That doesn't work. So be consistent in your posts. At the same time, the mistake people make is when they are consistent, they'll often do a post that's just a few lines long and doesn't really mean anything. Now, some people who are very well known, like Amelia Sordell, she got her post literally two lines long. But she gets away with it because she's built up an amazing audience. But if you're not that well known, you can't do that. You have to give some kind of context to your post. Tell a story, take people's journey, or share something valuable for your audience. But don't just do a post that's a few lines long. It doesn't help anybody. You've really got to spend the time working in this. Now, if you're running your own business, it is very difficult to find the time writing LinkedIn content during the week. And most business owners I know work on at least a Saturday or a Sunday. And I will say, look, take Saturday off if you can, and then Sunday morning, spend one hour up to as long as 90 minutes working your five posts for the week. If you only end up doing four, it's okay, but at least plan five. And work out what you want to say. Work out the conversation in your client's mind. Work out the experiences you've had. Do a split between 80% business 20% personal because the personal post is where you're going to get massive followers from and engagement, but the business posts where you get your business inquiry, you don't get that many business inquiries from personal posts. Now and again, you do, but it's often my videos, which are the least viewed things I do. I only get maybe 2,000, 3,000 views from a video, not very much. That's where I get my inquiries from. Whereas other text-based posts might get 20,000, 30,000 views no inquiries. So, you know, it's, and this is consistently over time. So be consistent, put massive value in, and please share your personal story. Because like we've discussed, people by people, it's very important to humanize yourself. And when people buy into me, they're buying into the human being and not buying into everybody works in sales. It's my company ever. Nobody's ever said, you know what? Everybody works in sales. That's one heck of a company. <laughs> I'm going to hire you guys. No, no, they buy into me. And that's very important to remember. Absolutely. Um, do you see that people start, I, I, I've, I've seen this uh, in a lot of different ways, but I want to get your take on it, that they start to forget about other channels. They get so honed in on LinkedIn or they get so honed in on the phones or email. 
And how do you kind of recommend, I guess it could be very pervertical, but how to kind of dice that up and tell people, hey, you can't forget about different channels, right? It depends where your audience is. My audience isn't on Instagram. They just don't. Nobody, but I don't know any sales coach or any business coach I've ever met that gets any business on Instagram. Some people do. If you're doing bikinis, lingerie, yes, it will. If you're doing real estate, yeah, sure. Uh, certain things will do very well. Personal development, life coaches do pretty good on Instagram. Sales and business doesn't. So Instagram, I'm there, in all fairness, for a bit of fun. And a lot of my friends on Instagram are not LinkedIn. So I'm there to share you know, pictures of donuts and cakes and coffees and friends and stuff like that. It's not really a business channel. I've never had a business inquiry in my life from it. And I don't have big numbers there. Uh, with Twitter, I'm on there because a lot of my audience is on there. And I find a lot of people really appreciate it when I you know, share their tweets and make comments as well. And I do that a lot on Twitter. Uh, Facebook, I've tried Facebook advertising many times. I've hired Facebook experts twice. Both often failed horribly and cost me a lot of money. I just could get people interested in Facebook at all. Mm -hmm. I've tried five-day challenges. I've tried web. I've tried so many different things. It just hasn't worked. And if you're hiring different experts and paying them money and they're, they're apologizing to you saying, I'm so sorry. I don't know why it's not working. It's time. To, okay. Facebook's not for me, but really for me, LinkedIn has been the platform. And then this year for four months, Clubhouse was outstanding for me. Clubhouse had picked up a lot of quick wins, nothing major, but a lot of quick wins. And that really helped build my following on LinkedIn. So I picked up 3,000 followers on Clubhouse very quickly. And about 2,000 of those then became followers on LinkedIn very quickly. So that was very interesting. That was the, I got involved from day one on Clubhouse. And I spent two weeks going into various rooms, seeing where did I fit in. I would ask questions. I would observe. I'd make notes. And then after a month, the people who were running the rooms realized how supportive I was and asked me to speak with them again. I didn't sell myself. I supported, I helped. I do a post on LinkedIn saying, hey, you got to check out this clubhouse room. I learned a lot from it last night. Again, it's being a person of massive value to people. You and I both know that famous Zig Ziglar quote, you can get everything you want in life if you help other people get what they want. And most people in sales don't think about serving. They think about how do I sell my product? How do I hit my number? How do I get my commission? What am I going to do with that commission? What clothes am I going to buy with that commission? <laughs> what holding am I going to go on? That is how 70 to 80% of people think. And if we just shift that to how can I help people? How can I serve people? How can I be a better human being? How can I help people who don't help me? The number of people I've helped on LinkedIn in the last year who have lost jobs, probably, I don't know, 50, maybe 60 people. I've just done 20 minutes for them to help them out. Sometimes it's been half an hour. And so many of them have done posts on LinkedIn to say, I lost my job. I was struggling so much. They around gave me a call, helped me out. He didn't ask me for any money. He didn't upsell me. He didn't even put me into his newsletter. He didn't ask me to write a review for him. He just helped me. Here I am today. I'm now a sales manager of this company. That is one of the best recommendations and testimonies you will ever have in your life. People saying what a good human being you are and how yeah. you helped them. But I didn't ask for anything in return. And too many salespeople help people. And now I say, okay, what are you going to do for me? You know, and that's the wrong attitude. I totally agree. That was actually my last question was to have you touch on clubhouse. I know that you've been, uh, having, have had an active presence. And, um, so maybe just dive a little bit more into that. Has, is it, is it, uh, a different, better, 
as far as the, the platform, you know, I'm on there. I don't ever get on anymore, to be honest with you. Um, it's something that I've been terrible about um, u- utilizing it. Uh, but how have you found it to be more effective or less effective or just compare and contrast? The best thing, look, two, two best things about Clubhouse. Because face-to-face events have been canceled, face-to-face networking is canceled, I don't enjoy online networking at all. not very good. And what Clubhouse has done, it's given me a platform to speak. So I miss speaking at events, I really do. But Clubhouse has enabled me to slow my speech down because bear in mind, I'm Irish. Irish people speak super fast. My parents are Indian. Indian people speak too fast. <laughs> so I, I'm the worst of both worlds. I speak so fast. Clubhouse has enabled me to get more of a presence, a stronger voice, a better voice. It's also enabled me to surround myself with so many brilliant LinkedIn coaches in America and Canada who are much more talented than me and be in the same room as them, on the same stage as them and learn from them. And that's been just so good for my personal development. And those have been the two best things. I'd probably say a third, the people I've met, Tizer, on Clubhouse, the tribe I've built has been incredible. Mm. And those relationships carried across to LinkedIn. And in quite a few cases in Northern Ireland, I've met a lot of these people in real life, which is fantastic. And as of next week, I'm off to England for a two-week tour and delivering sales training and LinkedIn training for my clients. But I'm also meeting several people I, knew, I met in Clubhouse in January. I'm meeting them face-to-face for the first time. I cannot wait for that. So that's been the best part of Clubhouse. Where Clubhouse kind of failed now is the momentum went. The beginning, it was like you had to be on there. It was, it was you know, only Apple users could get, could get on. It was like this excitement. But the excitement went after a while. And plus the customer services was terrible. I mean, there were so few people in customer services. And any ideas you'd give them, we never heard back from people. Well, there was no engagement. There was no, I had no relationship with the co-founders. I sent them LinkedIn invites, personalized, heard nothing. You know, to get 3,000 followers in less than two months on Clubhouse is really good going. That puts you in the top 10%. And yet they weren't engaging with me. They were getting people like, you know, Bill Gates coming on and Mark Zuckerberg coming on saying, hey, I'm setting up a competitor to Clubhouse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Like, yeah, it's like he actually made the announcement on Clubhouse to setting up a competitor. And I'm like, that was a smart move. You know, you won't talk to me, but you let someone like that get away with that. You know, so it's quite interesting. The decisions they made just weren't very smart in many ways, which is, which is, I think is a shame. And now it's like I go on there once or twice a week to hang out with friends for like two hours a week. That's it. But it doesn't have any impact anymore. Not the impact it had, say, six months ago when I was doing a lot of quick LinkedIn training sessions, a lot of one-off coaching sessions. I picked up a lot of business very quickly. But it was tiny business. It wasn't, you know, major business. That's great. And I totally agree with you. Yeah, I felt like January, February, March, especially, that's all anybody was talking about. How do I get it in very How do I get on? You know, this is really cool. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I, I got to hear uh, Swan Lynn. Is that her name? Uh, I think she was like, the, she had the, she was at the 10X thing. Um, so as I got to hear her talk about it because I think she, you know, she's had the most followers on there. You know, she's a Nike executive. And so I was like, wow, this is going to continue to go. And then it kind of just, <laughs> it, 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 it did. So that's interesting perspective. I'm glad that we uh, touched on that because I was feeling real guilty for not being on there more. So now you <laughs> made, made me feel better. Viraj, um, if people want to connect with you, where can they find you? Where can they buy your books um, and, and all of your content? Well, everybody works in sales and the easy guide to sales for business owners 
that's on Amazon. Uh, if you want to get a document, a 16 page document, uh, seven common mistakes to avoid in sales, uh, just go to salesmomentumacademy.com. Um, otherwise, just follow me on LinkedIn. And uh, before I go, I'll just leave one final comment. My, I mentioned two posts went viral, the, the really touching one I mentioned to you, but the big one was my daughter. I hadn't seen her in 11 months. And the post took me less than 10 minutes to write. I really miss my daughter. She's not a hugger. She's, you know, she doesn't wear a heart in her sleeve like I do. And I'm seeing her after 11 months. When she arrived at the airport, I shook her hand and said, very nice to meet you. It was very British. <laughs> it was very polite. She doesn't do hugs. And I put her suitcase in the car and she wrapped her arms around me saying, Dad, I miss you. And it was a really touching moment, very emotional moment for me because she's not a hugger. And 11 months is a long time not to see her, her child because you're in separate countries. And also because it was COVID, she caught COVID and was quite sick for a week as well. My parents hadn't been vaccinated yet. There was all kinds of reasons. And that post was took me 10 minutes to write. Uh, at the moment, it's on 248,000 views. Wow. Um, something like five thousand comments sorry five thousand likes uh over 500 comments so you know you never know how people are going to react to a post i never thought anything could ever go that big so don't be afraid of sharing your personal story with people because it will build your following and your brand and your visibility and your credibility on such a big level that's the last thing i'd like to leave people with please yeah. Thank you. Thank you for all of your insight, knowledge, and your time today. Uh, I always enjoy our conversations and all of our interactions. Uh, you're a beautiful human and uh, thank you for serving and all that you do. Well, thank you so much. I hope your son has an absolutely amazing birthday today as well, Kaiser. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm excited. They're, they're probably headed to the airport here pretty soon to fly home. So thanks so much, Naraj. Absolute pleasure. Take care. Thanks.